Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Difference Makers series, which walks through the first two chapters of the book of Exodus, seeing how anyone can make a difference in the lives of others. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you. We'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, this morning, let's take our Bibles and let's go to the book of Exodus. Exodus in chapter number one. Exodus in chapter number one this morning. And we are going to start a brand new series about making a difference or difference makers. We're going to be in this just for a few weeks, and then we'll jump back into Ephesians. going to kind of bounce between Exodus and Ephesians this year. And so we'll be in the book of Exodus this morning. As we get started, let me ask you this question. Those of you, as you have got older, have you ever realized the importance of your decisions? When you were a teen or a young adult, you often think that your decisions, they are just simply momentary decisions. They are maybe singular in their impact and singular in their reach. And as a young person, as a teenager, you may subconsciously know that that those decisions you make will have a lasting impact, but you and I, we are often not thinking about the impact that our decisions will make. Um. As you grow, though, and as you grow in life, as you age, you realize that many of the decisions that you didn't think were important were important. Like my decision that I've told you about before that I made when I was 22 years old. When I was 22 years old, I, of course, I grew up in Colorado till I was 14, and then from 14 to 18, lived in uh, Lakewood, Tacoma area, and then moved and did some college, and then in college, One of my uh, times in college, I was living in Lancaster, California. I was 22, and I decided that since I grew up in Greeley, Colorado, all around snow, that my friends, they were like, I mean, a bunch of married students, they were like, hey, we're all going to go to Tehachapi, California, and we're going to go sledding. And I was like, yes, I was raised around snow. I know the snow. I am a snow professional. I am a sledding professional. Uh, They actually asked me to be on the U.S. sledding Olympic team. I'm kidding, they didn't. But I had this in my mind, and I've told the story before. At 22 years old, we went to this area of Tehachapi, and it wasn't really snow. It was ice covering a little bit of snow. And if you remember the story, then you'll recall that a friend of mine, his name was A.J., He jumped on, um, I call them slick pads. It's just like a baby mattress that's about that that thick, that's really, it's waxed on the bottom, so it's really fast. And he went about 100 yards up this hill to sled down, and he he went down, and I was walking up the hill as he's going down, and I stopped and turned and looked, and at the bottom of this hill, he hit this, this little ramp that someone had made. And when he landed, he landed on his shoulder, and it dislocated instantly. And you, we watched it pop out of place. And he was like, ah, started screaming. And I was like, amateur. <laughs> and I, lit- I, I feel horrible about this to this day. I literally thought, I'm going to show this guy how to do it. So I went to where he was, the 100-yard mark. And I turned around and I looked and I was like, this ain't far enough. And so I kept climbing and I went about 150 yards up this hill, this mountain, and I got on my slick pad and I got a running start and I ran and I jumped and I landed on my knees 
And I started, I mean, I was flying down this hill. And I got about halfway down this hill and I realized this was a very, very unintelligent decision. And as I was on my knees going down this hill, the next thing that crossed my mind was, I am literally going to die. And so I spun around and I sat down on my backside because I was like, if I'm gonna go out, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna tear my knees up, you know? And I hit that first jump and then I peaked the second jump. So if you know what that means, I hit the first jump and that second jump is like this, I peaked it. So I hit it with my backside, it popped my vertebrae out of place, hyperextended my back and my entire body went numb. Everything. So here I am, completely numb. And I couldn't feel my fingers. I couldn't feel my toes. And I'm laying on the ground. And my friend's wife and my wife came running up. Of course, Hannah, she's compassionate. My friend's wife goes, <laughs> And I literally looked at her and Tears were coming down and she stopped and they instant, I couldn't breathe. And I said, I can't feel anything. And I remember my wife, she said, what do you mean you can't feel anything? I said, I literally, I can't feel my fingers. I can't feel my feet. I can't move my legs. I think I'm paralyzed. And I could move my neck, that was it. And I remember laying there for about, about five minutes and slowly, slowly, some of the feeling began to come back in my fingers and I thought, okay, it's coming back. It just knocked the wind out of me. But I, I, still, I couldn't roll over. I literally could not walk for eight days. I had to crawl. They had to carry me back to the car. I had to crawl around our, our apartment to do anything. And still, to this day, to this day, I still have back problems because of a decision I made 17 years ago. Now, I would look at that decision and I would say, what in the world was I thinking? Why would I do something like that? Yeah, you're just having fun. No, I was trying to show off. And my decision to try to show off ended up truly affecting my entire life. And now I look back at when I was 22, it was just like, oh, this will pass. I'm 22, I'm young. It'll be gone in a couple years. And now I look at it and I know that now I had to have knee surgery. I have back problems that I still deal with all that go back to that one decision. Here's the point I wanna make today as we get into our new study is what I want us to understand is that your decisions today, they don't just affect today. Your decision and my decisions today, they affect future decisions. And this morning, I'm not talking simply about physical decisions of going down a hill on a slick pad. Ask me if I've sledded again. Yes, I have sledded again. And Robert and I do some incredible things during the winter months. Where's Robert at? He's, he, now he's taking pictures or something downstairs. Robert and I, we have done these combinations where I will sit and he will stand on me and we'll sled down a hill together. And I have video to prove that. But you know what? I'm not talking about those types of decisions. I understand this morning that every decision we make, whether it be a physical decision, a parenting decision, every decision we make can have a lasting impact. And we all probably can look back at a decision that we have and 
we can say, you know what, that was a foolish decision. Maybe it was a decision that you made for a physical activity that you did. Maybe it was a a bad decision of a situation or a crime in your life. Or maybe it was a decision of of marriage that you look back and say, you know, maybe I should not have done that. Or, Or whatever the case may have been, I want us to understand that our decisions, they have a lasting impact far greater than when we think. And this morning, I just want to start by asking you, what if I told you What if I told you today that your decisions could have a positive impact that outlasts your lifetime? What if I were to tell you that there are some decisions that you could make, some specific decisions that aren't going to cause you to have back issues and knee problems? No, they are specific decisions that you could make on a daily basis that literally will help you leave a legacy for generations to come. What if I told you this morning that there are some specific decisions that you could make that would cause your life to become a difference-making life. I think every one of us would say, well, I I wanna know, what are those decisions? And this morning, we're gonna start in this series in Exodus about making a difference. Because I want us to understand, and I think, I wrote it this way, I think just about every thinking person Every thinking person desires to make a difference in the lives of those around them. Think about it this way. Parents want to make a lasting difference in the lives of their kids. Every parent in here, you want to to make an impact on your children that will last for a long time. I think about citizens. Most citizens in a community, they want to make a difference in their community. Think about this. Employers... They want to make a difference with their company. Employees want to make a difference with their company. I think friends want to impact their lives. The fact of the matter is this. Thinking people want to see their lives make a difference. Before we get into the message this morning, I want to give you a little bit of context of the book of Exodus. Exodus is an incredible book. one of the places in scripture where you at times will read a few verses and then just begin skimming. It's the place when you read about a bunch of these and thous and names. It's like Leviticus, that there's some cool parts and then there's some snooze parts. But Exodus is a great book. It picks up where the book of Genesis leaves off. The book of Genesis leaves off with Joseph, in, in, uh, in, uh, I know my mic keeps going out too. This one's going out. There's something happened with the sound system. So Brian, you work on that while I'm preaching. Everybody in here, just pretend like it doesn't happen. Okay, we're going to do that. So uh, Joseph, he's in Egypt and he's there and he's a ruler. We're going to go through Joseph's life in just a minute, but 430 years would pass by. And after 430 years, this story would start up of the book of Exodus. In short, the entire book of Exodus is about the Exodus. It's about the people of Israel coming out of Egypt. It's, it's really a story about redemption. It's a great picture of, of salvation and the redemption that God plays in the life of a believer. And we're going to see a lot over the course of this year as we spend time in Exodus in two different spots. But before we start this morning... What I want us to see are simply just the first, or as we start this morning, I want us to see simply the first eight verses of the book of Exodus. 
So why don't you stand with me if you would and let's read verse number one down through verse number eight of the book of Exodus today as we get started. We read these words. Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man and his household came with Jacob. Jacob was Joseph's father. And now this is going to outline for us what took place toward the end of the book of Genesis. Who were those that came in? Well, Jacob's siblings, Reuben, or Joseph's siblings, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls. So 70 people came from Israel into Egypt during a time of famine. For Joseph, or because Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph, he died. And all his brethren, and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. Now, there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. This morning, I want to look at two simple verses in this passage, and then we're going to go back to Genesis 50. Verse number six, it says this, that Joseph died and all his brothers and all that generation. Verse number eight says this, now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And we're going to see this verse down the road, but to help us see it, Exodus 13, 19 says this. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he, Joseph, had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. Here's what I want us to start with this morning. As we look and desire to make a difference in our life, I asked you the question, what if you could make a few decisions that would help you leave an impact, make a difference with your life? The life of Joseph was a difference-making life. Here's one of the things we know. Joseph impacted generations to come. The book of Exodus starts 430 years after Joseph. And who remembered Joseph? All the people of Israel. 430 years had to pass before there arose a Pharaoh who forgot about Joseph. So who, was, who remembered Joseph? Who did Joseph impact? He impacted not only the people of Israel for over 400 years and still to this day, he also impacted the, the nation of Egypt and the enemies of God for at least 350 years. I don't know about you, but that sounds like somebody who made a difference. That sounds like somebody who made an impact that was far beyond just his lifespan. And so how did he do it? What decisions did Joseph make that caused him to really impact generations to come? It's that question that we're gonna answer this morning. So let's pray and we'll get right into the word of God with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you pray just in the quietness of your own heart and would you ask the Lord, God, God, would you please speak to me today? Lord, would you please speak to me? Help me to listen to you. God, help me to hear from you. And then would you make a commitment? God, as you speak to me today, I'm going to respond to you.
Dear Lord, thank you so much for the day. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the singing this morning. Thank you, God, for allowing us to come and bringing us here. Thank you for those that are with us online right now, watching uh, at home or maybe as they travel or on vacation. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just speak to every one of our hearts. I pray, God, that you'd help us to understand from your word that there are just some simple decisions that we could make each and every day that would help us impact generations to come. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to recognize that our decisions can not only leave a lasting impact, but Lord, they can, they can help people even today in our sphere of influence. And so Lord, would you speak through me? Would you help us to hear from you? Would you help every one of us to respond to you today? And God, I pray if there's someone under the sound of my voice today that doesn't know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, God, I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and their trust completely in you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> How did Joseph make a difference for generations to come? How was he a difference maker? In order to really understand some of the decisions that Joseph made that caused him to be remembered for so long, I want us to all be kind of up to speed on Joseph's life, all right? So we find the life of Joseph beginning in Genesis chapter number 13. So we're gonna travel from Genesis 13 all the way to Genesis chapter 50, and we're gonna do it in about 10 minutes. So you listen fast because I truly am going to speak fast. The life of Joseph is outlined by really the, the one word, listen, the one word that I think uh, identifies or defines Joseph's life is trials. Joseph's life was a life of trials. At the age of 17, we are introduced to Joseph as a shepherd boy, one of the 12 sons, one of the many children of Jacob. Joseph, at the time, it would appear that Joseph was his father's favorite. And while uh, we don't uh, condone playing favorites with children, Joseph was his father's favorite child, and he made him a coat of many colors. But at this time, also, Joseph had some visions or some dreams from God about his purpose. And Joseph understood that God had a purpose with him. And and Joseph, as an excited 17-year-old boy, went to his brothers and his parents, and he shared this purpose, these dreams that he was having. Well, if you read the story, you discover that Joseph's father and mother, they began to contemplate, to think about everything that Joseph was giving them. But the brothers, they got jealous. Their jealousy of Jacob making the coat of many colors for Joseph and of Joseph having these dreams and visions from God, basically saying that one day all the family would be bowing down to him, they didn't like that. And their, their rage, their jealousy caused them or pushed them to the brink of killing their brother. They wanted to kill Joseph. One of the brothers, Reuben, said, hey, let's not kill him. Instead, let's throw him in this pit. They threw him in a pit. Reuben was going to go back and get him for later. But while Reuben was gone, the other brothers, they said, hey, let's not kill him. Then his blood would be on our hands. Instead, let's sell him into slavery. And so these brothers, they sold their own brother, their own flesh and blood. Because of jealousy, because of envy, they sold Joseph into slavery. Well, the story tells us that Joseph then eventually would end up as a slave in a man by the name of Potiphar's house. Potiphar was one of the leading rulers in Egypt, not as high as Pharaoh, no doubt. But he was, he was probably third or fourth in the, in the entire kingdom of, of Pharaoh of Egypt. Well, Joseph gets sold into this house and Potiphar sees that God was with Joseph. And so Joseph elevates to become the highest ranking slave, second only to Potiphar. 
Well, you know the story. Potiphar's wife decides that she wants to have an affair with Joseph and she begins to entice Joseph. And Joseph, as a 19 or a 20-year-old young man, says, no, I'm not going to do that. How could I sin against God? And, and he flees. Well, Mrs. Potiphar, she lies about Joseph, gets him thrown in a dungeon. Now Joseph is here in a dungeon, and in this dungeon, he is also favored by God, and the prison guard sees the favor on Joseph's life, and so Joseph moves in rank in the prisoners among the jail, and Joseph has freedom to roam in and out of every cell in the jail. He just has to stay within the confines of that dungeon, and, and Joseph begins to serve the inmates of the jail. His story is an incredible story. I'd encourage you to go read it. It's a fascinating journey, the life of Joseph. Well, while there, two prisoners come in, the baker and the butler. They come in, they've offended the Pharaoh, and so they are there in, the, in this dungeon, in this prison, and they have dreams. Joseph comes in and he says to them, hey, I see that you guys, you, you look sad today. Why are you sad? And they said, well, we had these dreams last night. We don't know what they mean. And Joseph said, tell me the dreams and God will show you. God will show you what those dreams mean. I won't, but God will help me and I'll, I'll show you those dreams. And so these Baker and Butler, they, they tell Joseph the dreams. Joseph tells them the interpretation. Basically, Mr. Baker, you're about to die Mr. Butler, you're going to be restored to your duties. And sure enough, a few days go by and the baker's hung and, and the butler's restored. And Joseph says to the butler, he says, hey, when you go back to serving, remember me. I'm, I've been falsely accused and I don't, I, I don't need to be here. Would you just remember me? But the Bible tells us this in Genesis, I think it's chapter number 23, might be around there, that Joseph is forgotten by the butler. And for two years, Joseph is still in prison and left there. The, the Bible actually leaves off with the verse that he's, Joseph is left bound for two years. <clears throat> well, two years go by and the Pharaoh has a dream. And the butler remembers, oh, there was a guy that told me what my dream meant. And so he says, there's this prisoner. And eventually, here's Joseph before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says to Joseph, here's my dream. And Joseph says, well, interpretations belong to the Lord. So I'll tell you what they mean, but let me talk with God first. And God gives Joseph insight as to what that dream means, that there's going to be seven years of famine and then seven, or seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And you need to set up a ruler, Pharaoh. You need to set up a ruler that's going to uh, help orchestrate so that during the famine years, everybody doesn't die. And so here's what happens. Here's what happens is Joseph, he tells him this, and the Pharaoh says to Joseph, well, who should I set up? And Joseph says, well, you just gotta find someone wise and find someone that God could use as a tool. And I love the words of Pharaoh. I won't hit him exactly, but he says basically to Joseph, he says to his servants, well, who better than Joseph in whom is the spirit of God and all wisdom? And so what takes place is Joseph becomes second in command in all of Egypt, this slave. Fast forward a few years and what happens? Go with me to just over one page, Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50 actually, actually takes place in 43. Now Joseph's brothers, they, because of the famine, they travel to Egypt. They're bowing to Joseph, not realizing it's Joseph. Long story short, Joseph forgives them. They find out it is Joseph. They're fearing for their lives. 
And he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And then he leaves, Joseph's life leaves off with these verses. When Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, thy father did command before he died saying, so shall ye say unto Joseph, forgive, I pray thee now the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of, thy, of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph, he wept when they spake unto him. Because 70 years earlier, he had already told them he would forgive them. His brethren all, or and his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, fear not, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear not ye, and I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house. And Joseph lived 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation and children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. We just briefly took 10 minutes and walked through the life of Joseph. What an incredible life, a journey of trials from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. But I find in Exodus chapter one, verses one through eight, that Joseph made an impact. And I find the reason why in Genesis chapter 50, verse 15 through 26. So again, here's the question we wanna answer today. What were some of the decisions Joseph made which helped him make such a difference for years to come? If you have a pen and paper, you can write down four decisions that will help you and I leave a lasting impact in generations to come, make a difference for generations to come. Number one, I see this morning that Joseph was unshakable in his faith. Joseph was unshakable in his faith. In his, in his faith. Notice the phrase in verse number 20 when Joseph says this. He says, but God meant it unto good. That word it is a very simple two-letter word. What is it referring to? It's referring to his entire life. All of the decisions that came about because of his brothers selling him into slavery, God used that for good. You know, Joseph was throughout his entire life, if you go back and you look through Joseph's life, you would discover all along his journey that he kept his focus upon the Lord. He was faithful to follow God no matter his circumstances. We don't have time to cover it, but in all of these references, they are different points in Joseph's life. And in every single instance, Joseph is faithfully following the Lord. 
Genesis chapter 39, verse 2 and 3, Joseph is aged 18 or 19, and it says that his master saw that the Lord was with him. In Genesis chapter 39 and verse number 21, Joseph would be about 23 to 25 years old, and the guard, the prisoner, uh, excuse me, the prison guard saw that the Lord was with him. Genesis chapter 40 and verse number 8, at age number 20, at age 27 or 28, the Bible tells us that the Pharaoh said that, or, or excuse me, that Joseph said that dreams belong to the Lord and then would interpret a dream. And Pharaoh would say he sees in Joseph the Spirit of God. Genesis chapter 41, verse 15 and 16, and verse number 25, Pharaoh would say again, God hath showed Pharaoh what is going to happen through Joseph. Genesis chapter 45 and verse number five, at the age of 39 or 40, Joseph would say to his brothers, God sent me before you to preserve your life. In his early to mid 40s, Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 20 would take place where Joseph said, as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. And then at the age of 110, in Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 25, Joseph would say, God will surely visit you. You say, Pastor, why do you bring up all of these verses? I mean, we didn't see the verse. Why, why do you bring up the references? Because all throughout Joseph's life, he had an unshakable, unbroken focus and faith in the Lord. Through his entire life, we discover that he continually said, I believe and I trust that God has a plan. I want to ask you a question today. What does it take to shake your faith? What circumstances caused you to doubt and to waver? For sure, we all have situations in our life that cause us to ponder and wonder where God is at and, and what if he really is in control. But I fear that all too often in the life of most believers, it takes far less than being sold into slavery by our brothers to cause us to shake in our faith. For us, it could be simply what Brian referred to at the opening reading. Things just not going our way that week. You ever had plans fail? Ah, I have too, a lot. I'm a planner and my wife makes fun of me for it sometimes because in, a, in not, not a mean way, but sometimes she'll be like, honey, why did you even plan? You know that it's not, you know, we'll be like on vacation and I'm like, well, here's what we're gonna do today. And we have this and I have A, B, C in plan today. And it ends up that we do D. I didn't even know D was an option of that day. And yet we do it. And we've had times where Hannah will look and she'll say, you know, let's just, let's just wing it today. And I'm like, I don't wanna wing it. I don't like winging it. Uh, you know what? In life, listen, that's, that's a silly illustration. But in life, things don't always go our way. But you know what happens sometimes? Sometimes just because something didn't go our way, we're like, God, you gave up on me. Here's a man that was sold into slavery, betrayed, lied about, no doubt beaten, persecuted, had extreme highs and extreme lows. And yet every step of the way, Joseph was unshakable in his faith. You wanna know one of the reasons I believe that Joseph made a difference for generations to come is because he was unshakable in his faith. Well, how was he unshakable in his faith? Because he got to know God. Throughout Joseph's life, you see his godliness and his wisdom continuing to grow. 
And I say this at our church often, but you trust who you know. You wanna have a greater faith in God, a greater trust in God? Hey, keep getting to know God. We have a great thing available to us that Joseph didn't. Joseph didn't have 66 books of the written word of God. He had some, some of the words from, from Genesis. That'd be all that Joseph had would be some of the first words that were given. Maybe some of the Psalms that were given. That, that, I mean, be pre, this is all pre-Moses. This is pre-Exodus, Deuteronomy, pre-Pentateuch. This is pre-all of that. And yet we have this available to us. And here's what some of us do on Sunday after church. We go home and we put it on some shelf only not to touch it for a week. And it's not because you use your phone to read the Bible. It's because you just don't, don't, don't pay attention to it. Hey, want to know why we, why we as many 21st century Christians in America are so wishy-washy in our faith, so shaky in our faith? It's because we're not getting to know the Lord. Hey, he was unshakable in his faith. If I'm going to have a deeper faith and an unshakable faith in the Lord, I must continue to get to know him. Number two, what was the second decision that I think helped Joseph impact nation, generations to come? He was unshakable in his faith, but number two, he was unwilling to be bitter. He was unwilling to be bitter. Now, as I studied, honestly, often you can look sometimes on my notes, I literally just write out what I'm thinking at that moment. Here's what I wrote out as I was coming to this thought this week in study. This is incredible to me because if this was any one of us, we would fight against bitterness and we would give in to bitterness. Really, Joseph put up more of a fight than many of us would. Think about it this way today. Joseph's brothers were literally the cause. They were the cause for all of his trials. They were the reason he was sold into slavery. They were the reason that he was betrayed. They were the reason that he was lied about and thrown into jail. They were the reason that he was forgotten in jail. They were the reason that he got beat in jail. They were the reason, humanly speaking, that he faced all of the trials that he faced because it all went back to their decision to sell him into slavery. And so I don't know about you, but I can find myself in Joseph's position saying, man, you guys are the reason of everything I face. Well, some might say, well, no, it was Potiphar's wife. Yeah, but he wouldn't have been a slave in Potiphar's house had his brothers not sold him. Well, it was the guard that forgot, it was the butler that forgot him in prison. He wouldn't have been in prison had the brothers not sold him. I mean, Joseph, of anybody, Joseph has one decision that somebody else made that, listen, don't miss this point today. If there's no other point you get, don't miss this point that Joseph was unwilling to be bitter because if there is one thing that Joseph had going for him, it is the fact that he had the right, humanly speaking, he had the right to get bitter. I mean, humanly speaking, any one of us would not have discredited Joseph had, it, had there been a verse in here that said, and Joseph hated his brothers. We would be like, yeah, duh. And yet, what do we read? We read that because of Joseph's faith, Joseph fought bitterness. We have to know that he struggled with it. Joseph wasn't perfect, but Joseph chose 
to forgive. He said it this way in the verses we just read a minute ago, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God, he meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. You catch what Joseph did. He forgives them and he resists bitterness. He knew they meant it for evil. Listen, he knew it wasn't just a whoops decision. The brothers selling him, it wasn't like, oops, sorry, we made a mistake. No, they literally were trying to have him killed. And yet he chose to offer them forgiveness and to reject bitterness. You know, all too often we are not like Joseph. And instead, we are quick to bitterness over the smallest things. We get hurt and we get bitter because someone spoke unkindly to us. Some have major decisions that cause bitterness. In a room this size, I'm not going to pretend that there is not deep hurts in here. There are deep hurts. And by deep hurts, I literally mean that There are some decisions that have been forced upon people in this room that has literally altered the course of your life. There are decisions, and and I will, will not go into detail today, but there are decisions, no doubt, in a crowd of this size that, that there are some that they faced a, a betrayal by somebody, by an adult when you were younger that betrayed you. And there, there is people in here, no doubt, a, a room of this size that have faced decisions of molestation or have faced decisions of some inappropriate thing when they were younger. There are people in here right now that have faced within their family, no doubt, a family member that has lied about you and pushed you into a corner and betrayed you. And, and I'm not thinking of anything specific. I'm just thinking, man, in a room of this size with with however many people we have in here this morning, that there are people in here literally that have decisions that have altered the course of your life. I want to tell you this morning, you are not alone. Joseph had that take place in his life. But Joseph wasn't alone either because Jesus Christ would have that take place in his life. And Jesus, because of the decisions of others, would be crucified for our sin. And yet here's a message that Jesus preached that Joseph exemplified that you and I have the challenge to exemplify. Matthew chapter five and verse number 44. I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Bitterness, bitterness and unforgiveness, listen, if not dealt with, it becomes a poison that eats you up and soon pours into the lives of many other people. Bitterness literally ruins lives. Hebrews 12, 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Every believer needs to diligently seek to live in and with the grace or the strength of God to root out bitterness in their life. And very quickly this morning, I want to give you what it takes to overcome bitterness. What does overcoming bitterness require? 
How do I, pastor, I've been hurt before. Maybe it's just something simple of someone speaking against me. Maybe it was a major life-altering decision. Pastor, what does God's word say about overcoming bitterness or having forgiveness in my life? Number one, you've got to learn to rest in faith. You've got to learn to rest in faith. What does this mean? Romans chapter eight, verse 28 and 29 and 30. It says, we know that all things work together for good. To them who love God, who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, them he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn, firstborn among many brethren. What's that mean, pastor? It means this, that resting in faith is saying, God, I believe that you can take anything bad and make something good. Joseph rested in faith. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Hey, that decision that someone else made that has affected your life for 35 or 50 years or two years or one week or that, listen, that blog post that someone posted and they defamed you on Facebook and made you look bad and you don't wanna forgive them for it, whatever the spectrum is of the decisions that have been made by others that has planted the seed of bitterness in your life, you and I, we need to recognize that God can use it for good. We may not see that good. We may not see it right now. But we have to rest in faith to say, God, I'm gonna trust that you were still in control, that even though this bad situation happened, even though they said that, even though they did that, God, I'm gonna trust that you are in control. We have to rest in faith. Faith. We have to remember his forgiveness. Hey, if we're going to forgive as Joseph forgave, we have to remember Christ's forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know what forgiveness is? Forgiveness is agreeing to live with the unchangeable consequences of another's sin against me. Forgiveness doesn't mean that I forget about it. Hey, forgiveness doesn't even mean that I let that person back into my sphere of influence. Forgiveness says, I relinquish my right to get even because I trust God. Forgiveness says every time I think about that person or that situation, I choose to trust God. And I choose maybe even to verbally say in my own heart, God, help me forgive them. Rest in faith, remember his forgiveness. Number three, resist the devil. Resist the devil. You know what the devil likes to do? He likes to climb up on your shoulder and say, they don't deserve forgiveness. Hey, they don't deserve forgiveness. But you know what? The person who is forgiving, do you know what they do? They say, neither do I. I didn't deserve forgiveness and yet God forgave me. And so I'm gonna resist the temptation of the devil. Remember his forgiveness, God's forgiveness. Rest in faith. And number four, I've got to rely on his grace. Here's the simple truth about forgiving this morning. You and I don't have the capability in and of ourselves to do it. (laughs) You know what we need? We need God's help. We need God's help to say, God, I can't forgive, but I know you want to to forgive through me. All four of these points, we can see, you can see them once you study the life of Joseph. Man, he rested in faith. He remembered his own forgiveness. He resisted the temptation of the devil. He relied on grace. That's gonna help you be unwilling to be bitter. What are the decisions that Joseph made to help him have a 
impact. While he was unshakable in his faith, he was unwilling to get bitter. He was unselfish with his words. Look at verse number 21. The Bible tells us that Joseph spent years comforting them and speaking kindly unto them. You know what Joseph did? Not only did he resist bitterness and choose forgiveness, but he also instead poured out kindness upon those that literally had disregarded his life. This phrase means that Joseph spoke intellectual wisdom from the heart to them. That's what this passage means. He spoke, intell- he spoke words that he thought about and he meant from the heart. He spoke them into their life. You know what can help you and I make a difference in the lives of people around us is to be unselfish with our words. Speak kindness to people. Start with your family. Speak words of wisdom from a caring heart. Care for people. Have value for people that you speak to. Pastor Carlos has reminded me of this in a number of conversations we've had as well as even in his preaching. Of course, Pastor Carlos didn't grow up in church like many in here grew up in church and uh, some of you are like Carlos and didn't get saved. Carlos got trusted Christ at 16. And he says this often, you may be the only Bible that somebody ever reads. And what a great reminder. You may be the only voice of God that somebody ever hears. Hey, the words that you speak at work, that may be the only exchange or interaction that somebody has with a Christian. You wanna leave a lasting impact? Be unselfish in your words. Speak kindness to people. You know what difference makers do? They see the importance of the words they speak in every situation. Fourth today, and we're done. Joseph was unwavering in his purpose. He was unwavering in his purpose. In the passage in verse 24 and 25, two times Joseph says to his brothers and to his, those that are his ancestors below him, he says, God will surely visit you. That phrase simply means God will take care of you and God will complete his purpose in you. Do you know what Joseph was doing? He was continually pointing people to God. Joseph was always pointing people to, to God and to the plans of God. Joseph truly believed that God was able to make good come out of the worst possible situations. And so he said, I choose in every situation to just point to God. You know what difference makers do? Difference makers glorify God and point others to him in every decision, in every situation. Difference makers don't lose sight of the hand of God at work. They see past the smoke screens of life and they see and trust that God is doing something. And even though I may not know what that is, I choose to glorify God. Because you and I, we truly do have a purpose of glorifying God and pointing others to him. And we should have the desire to make a difference in the lives of other people by pointing them to the one who is the difference maker. Joseph, he made some decisions that caused him to leave an impact for generations to come. But they weren't decisions that he thought, you know, I'm gonna make this decision and it's gonna impact 430 years from now. No, Joseph's mind was, I'm gonna make this decision to just try to impact today. 
And I think in your life and in my life, if we want to decide to make a, make a difference in generations to come, it starts with choosing to make a difference today. And so we close and I ask you these questions. Are you unshakable in your faith? What little thing has it been that's caused you to doubt in your trust in God? Maybe today you would say, God, help me this week to have an unshakable faith. Number two, are you unwilling to be bitter? Hey, what little situation or big situation has happened in your life that, that has planted that seed of bitterness? Today, would you just pray, God, help me to choose to forgive? Because difference makers, they're, they're gonna be forgiving and trust that God is in control. Are you unselfish in your words? And do you use your words to add value to people or do you use your words to just add value to yourself? Be unselfish in your words. And number four, be unwavering in your purpose. In every situation, Lord, help me to glorify you today. God, help me in my decisions to point to you. No matter what happens, God, help me to trust that you have a plan, that you are working, and God, help me to remember that you are in control. And God, even though you can't make people choose right, you can use every decision to bring about good. I just want us to understand this today. God desires to use you and I to be difference makers. He wants us to make a difference. He used Joseph in an incredible way by four simple decisions that I think you and I should make and could make each and every day. But maybe you're here this morning and you can't make the, a difference in people's lives because you don't know Christ. You, you, don't, you can't make a difference because you don't know if a difference has been made in your life by Jesus. And if you're here this morning, I would ask you, do you know for sure that Jesus is your personal savior? Have you put your faith and your trust in him and him alone? If you've never done that, hey, today could be the day where Jesus makes a difference in your life because you ask him to be your savior. The fact is this, that he loves you and he gave his life to die upon the cross for you. And he desires, he desires to be your savior. He wants to offer you forgiveness. He wants to bring you restoration with God. And it comes at asking him to forgive you of your sin, to be your savior, putting your faith and your trust in him because of his death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection. And if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, he wants to make a difference in your life and he wants to start with that decision. And today you could choose him. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. If God has spoken to you, this is an invitation time that we're going to get into where we respond to God's word. And so if you're here today and God spoke to you, respond to him. If you know Christ as your savior, would you respond today by saying, God, help me to make these decisions and to see the importance of how lasting they are. God, help me to be unshakable in my faith. God, help me to forgive God, help me to be kind and show value with the words of those around me. God, help me to glorify you in every situation. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.